0: Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Hello and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex and today I'm talking to one of the most talked about South African musicians on the scene currently. With co-signs from Chris Martin, Damon Albarn, and Stormzy, this man has worked tirelessly to become one of the first names that come to mind when thinking about modern African music. With his heritage and family at the root of every creative move that he makes, he expertly blends together cutting-edge urban and electronic music with local genres like Maskandi, kwaito, bubblegum pop of the 80s and 90s, to craft a sound that is entirely his own. I am, of course, talking about the Zulu Skywalker himself, Muzi. Muzi! Muzi! <laughs> Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Yo, crowd goes wild, everyone. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, that was a dope intro. Thank you. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. Well, that's how we like to do here on Tech Talks. I like to make you feel comfortable before mm. I ask you the hard Oprah questions. You know what I mean? Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> no. So here at Tech Talks, we mm. like to take things back to the beginning with our guests so please let's go on a trip down memory lane to when you were a little skateboarding muzi growing up in empangheny in Yeah. what what are some of your fondest memories about your childhood when you think back on it
1: oh man um uh uh mom sharing her stories of like where she came from and how she grew up like that was really dope like having a parent that used to talk to me and communicate you know um, very important yeah very important it's actually how I parent now with my kid um so that's like a super like dope memory I have um uh oh ciphers in school like that was really nice yeah um where I I used to like before I made beats I used to like bang on desks and then people like start rapping and like it was like I never knew at the time, obviously, that I wanted to make music, but, like, um, just being able to do that and have, like, kids come together and we'd all just, like, bang on desks and make beats. That's, like, yeah, one really cool memory also. Collecting Tazzos, obviously. Oh,
0: <laughs> I was I was just going to say, you know, it's not like you're old. You're not old. Yeah. But if you... Like, if smartphones were a thing back in the day when you were in school, when you were doing ciphers, and, like, all of that footage had been captured, I'm pretty sure that Muzi would have been well on his way to musical stardom, like, (laughs) much (laughs) earlier, because I would pay to see that now.
1: Yeah, like, it's so, because, like, (laughs) I had even forgot about it, and then my big brother reminded me of it, like, it was just, like, um, on the bus, we used to take a bus to school, and... And, like, we used to, um, in primary school, and then at the back of the bus, we just, like, start, like, singing and rapping and banging on the bus, like, window. Like, it was just, it was amazing, man. When I look back now, I think that's where everything started because it was, like, I don't know, people just always wanted me to be the one that bangs on desks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how many many packets of chips did you eat to collect tazzles? Oh,
1: I got to a point where I wasn't (laughs) even eating chips. I was just, like, opening it up, getting the tazzle, and giving it to my friend.
0: But like, it's fine because they never even fill up the chip packets anyway. So Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you just buy like the cheap ones. Buy like the cheapest like <laughs> uh, packet of chips and then just get the tazzle. <laughs> so,
0: so, yeah. Oh my God. But, you know, w- we talk a lot about Pretoria being the undisputed capital of, of house a lot on the show. But yeah. what were some of the sounds that you grew up around? Like either music that your parents were playing or yeah. music that that you absorbed you know, in school and from friends, and just being surrounded by that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I had like different. Like it was all different because at home, like I, I, I was brought up in um, um, in a very like sort of insulated way where um, my mom would like we had a curfew of like five o'clock. We had oh, to be wow. at home. I never like went to parties, but like it's it's it. I think that whole thing was like it groomed me and it made me who i am in a lot of ways so at home like my dad would be playing um a lot more electronic music so you'd hear like faithless you'd hear daft punk um dj sammy oh, your dad's like, got good taste. you know like you'd hear bump. like these are the sounds of brooklyn Bounce. yeah he'd even like collect <laughs> bump like bump cds and stuff um so my dad was very much like the electronic influence um, and then also play like dance music from South Africa and Zimbabwe and Angola, you know, like like things from the 60s and 70s that sounded very um, synth heavy because the synths were just like coming out then and stuff. Um, so my dad came with that and then my mom would play more gospel um, opera music because she used to sing that. Um, she almost went professional with it. Oh, but wow. My grandmother was like nah (laughs) so um so yeah so like (laughs) so i'd i get that and then my brother uh one of my brothers uh, two of my brothers would would, like play a lot of hip-hop um and then i think that's where the confidence mostly came from because hip-hop was like coming out with like more sort of confident like videos and then you see Mm -hmm. like black people in the in the like most confident form um so then that's where like sort of confidence came from and then my other brother would play like r&b and alternative rock music how many
0: how many brothers do you have
1: i have three brothers okay yeah so like and then he'd play like alternative like um so co-play i'm hearing Laken park i'm even hearing rammstein Wow, And like all that stuff. So all these things I'm getting. School was mostly hip hop because, you know, hip hop like sort of became just like the the culture. Um, uh, so when, when when it came to me, like actually hearing like house music, that was more of me going out and trying to find things for myself. But it wasn't something that was introduced to me early on in my life. Besides like, like the, elec- the more electronic side of things. So deep house and tribal house were things I only got to hear later on.
0: You know, when musicians ask, musicians, when journalists ask musicians about, you know, tell me about growing up and what was your household like? And yeah. the stereotypical answer is, well, you know, I grew up in a very musical household, but you really did grow up in a musical <laughs> household, like yeah. where there were 101 different genres and influences coming at you from all over, which is great, which obviously yeah. shaped your music Well, was a, yeah. a huge part in shaping your musical consciousness as you grew up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I never, um, as a kid, when you're hearing all these, all all these, like, um, different genres, you're not hearing them as genres. You're just hearing Mm. it as music. Mm. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is the music my brother plays. This is the music my sister plays. This is the music my dad plays. This is the music my mom plays. So, like, it registered that way. So when um, I started making music, it was just, like, like a milkshake of all that stuff because I I never really saw it as, as, as genres. I just saw it as music. Um, so I think that even that, like, to this day, like, helps me express myself because I can express myself in whatever genre I want to express myself in, you know? Mm. So, yeah. You know,
0: last season we had Cornelius SA, another magnificent South African export. He's really amazing, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with him. We had him Mm -hmm. on text talks. And something that he said to me that really stuck with me is that if you grow up in the hood for a lot of people, you don't really dream further than that because it's not, it's just not is what expected of you to do. And I remember during one of your interviews with Slicker, both of you were talking about how there's so many talented people who just have like a mental block against leaving the hood. And I was wondering if you ever sort of experienced this kind of mental block at all. And if, if you didn't, maybe if you know of anybody who, you did. who did. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I did. I did experience it myself. Um, because it's like, it's like, um, I, I guess what hoods and townships do is because we're like, like black people are sort of like funneled there. I think like it sort of created, um, like, a. Like there's there's an the, the, for me I know there was an element of like low self esteem that mm. I couldn't be like the kid in the city and I couldn't like I was a different type of black person because I was in like the hood you know because even when I was there if I'm skateboarding and all these guys are like playing soccer and maybe some of them are getting to play for like some teams you think that soccer is a way out but I don't like soccer mm. so it's like shit I I, I really don't have um any way of getting out of here because even with the music that i'm making it's not the music i'm hearing from everyone else in the hood like i'm weird i'm an outcast you (laughs) know so it's like it's like with all of that like i I literally used to get stopped by people's mothers telling me that i shouldn't skateboard that like i shouldn't do what i'm doing um it's why i'm so like like my skin is thick like i used to hear that as a kid all the time people telling me what i couldn't do you know so um but the mental block of not being able to get out of the hood like was a real thing. You know, I remember the first time I left um to go to Durban to visit my cousins. And then um I was like, yo, yo, there's places this big <laughs> you know, and I'm like probably like nine at the time. And I'm like, yo, this this building's this huge, you know. Um and, and also then- it's Durban.
0: Oh! I'm yeah
1: not- <laughs> you know it's durban and it's like and, and then you start telling yourself that the that the beach in durban is is way different than the beach you have there at Richards bay in so it's like it's like all those things there's it's almost like there's an invisible gate man at the at the end of the township when you're going mm. from the township into the town it's like you must always come back here you know um so, so what
0: happened the first time you went to Joburg, if you thought Durban was cool?
1: <laughs> yeah, like the first time I went to Joburg, people are giving me all this advice, like, yo, don't look up, they're going to see that you're not from there, don't look at the buildings, like, they're going to steal, they're going to take your money, like, Joburg is a crazy place. So, like, I'm coming through with, with this, like, sort of, like, which I love, but, like, farm mentality, you know, where it's like, yo, I got to stick by myself, um... Contrast people in Joburg Remember how the city was built People came here for money Not mm. for like friendships and Ubuntu And all those things that you are brought up in, Like on Kind of don't work in Joburg So I come through with that mindset You know, it's like Damn, like So you, I really can't trust nobody You know, <laughs> but my whole life I was, I, was, <laughs> I was brought up to trust people And be kind and all these things So um, it was hard It's still hard adjusting to this place Even now, you know because it's just, you know, it's different.
0: You know, I was very interested to find out that, you know, you were well on your way to becoming a doctor when you dropped out of medical school. Yeah. And then took a massive leap of faith and relocated to Europe. But we, before we talk about Europe, yeah. I read that you became a producer before you became a producer. You were yeah. a rapper. Yeah. So. Talk to me about your days of being in a a, a rap group called Witness the Funk Muzi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, um, like, were you only rapping? Or are you like rapping and making beats? Let's get a bit nostalgic yeah. here. I wanna, I wanna know about Witness the Funk Muzi.
1: Um, So that's how I started making music was writing music. So like, I used to write like raps and stuff, and um, I'd write for like other like rappers in my school. If if we had like a battle or whatnot, I'd write for them, and then they'd go and like like win or lose whatever but they'd go and 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 rap those things as if it was their own rhymes so i used to do that
0: you were a mad ghostwriter even.
1: yes me. i was ghostwriting <laughs> so like so i started doing that before i started making beats and then um um so i started writing um probably like 11 at the time i started making beats at 13 because I, rem- I remember clearly like like yeah i started rapping grade six and then i started making beats in grade eight yeah so, so, um so then when, when I was doing that, but like, it was, it was, I wasn't confident at the time. Um So throughout high school, I wasn't really playing people my beats. I was just like making them. And then we formed a group called uh, Witness the Funk in Varsity. Um, And in that group, we had two guys that were primarily rappers, or well, three guys that the primary rappers, and then two producers. And even though I was producing, I was still like, I would still like put on a verse or a lyric or like a a chorus or something. And then one of my friends that was there was really good at rapping. And then I started feeling like if I continued rapping, it would take away from him, Mm -hmm. you know. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on producing. um, But you can rap because you're actually the good one at rapping um and what then, a
0: homie you just wanted to let him shine
1: yeah you know and then so 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 i just let him do that and i just focused more on like sounds and um yeah doing my word like singer rapping whatever whatever it is that i do i don't even know but yeah so it came about that way like i started rapping and then i was like hey let me just i like sounds more mm.
0: Yeah. And then and then just so I get the timeline correct give me a brief recap from leaving witness the funk to starting studying medicine to deciding yeah. no this isn't really for me and then not only dropping out but then deciding to completely relocate to Berlin like okay. wh- what what was that deciding factor also in moving to to Berlin
1: Okay so 2008 I finished school 2009, I go to varsity. We mm. start a group called Witness the Funk. Um, <laughs> 2010, I quit rapping and I try to focus on, 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 on making beats. Okay. 2011, I meet John, but John doesn't want to manage me. But anyway, I've already decided that I'm dropping out at the end of this year. Cause my bursary was a three year bursary for a five year degree.
0: You got a so- bursary to study medicine. Yes. I mean, so, that's isn't that I like was super getting smart a, But
1: that but she, that uh, shit is gone now.
0: You still are super smart <laughs> to get a bursary to study medicine. That's like getting a golden ticket for Willie, to go to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, Muzi. That's mad.
1: Yeah, so like I was really lucky, um, because I never I never applied. I just like. I oh made my up with god! The, the story the just team. gets
0: crazy, crazier yeah. and crazier. Yeah, you met up with them.
1: I just went to the dean and I showed him my report card.
0: Okay and so you, like, you must have gotten like what was, like a 95% aggregate.
1: Yeah, I think it was like <laughs> 97 or something. Like I was I was the highest student in 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 KZN, but they didn't report us cuz I went to a, like a really bad school. Well, you know, it wasn't like one of the privileged ones. So we never even came out on like a newspaper, you know, like when people come out that like oh so and so has passed. No. Yeah, that didn't even happen for us. But like when you saw my report card um yeah, I think my lowest mark was like ninety three or something. <laughs> it, was, it was like bad, but um, yeah. So 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 yeah. So then my 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 is about to end. Um, I I call my mom. I'm like, I'm quitting school. Up. She, she thinks I'm joking. I'm not. Um, she finds out that I'm not joking um, because it was like at the time, man. I just felt like um, I'm not gonna struggle to become a doctor because that's what everyone around me thought I should be because Mm -hmm. I was smart, you know, I want to do what, what like fills my soul up, you know? And so I didn't want to like go get a job to pay my school fees for something I didn't like.
0: Was your mother like, oh my God, this is history repeating itself because I wanted to be a singer and my mother said no. And now my son's come to me and he's like, I'm dropping out of medical school. So I have to say yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At the time, she didn't even tell me that that had happened to her so i didn't even know at the time it was like um i needed to be a doctor for the families to be able to look out like after them and stuff like that but um i guess i just made a decision for myself then i got disowned now i'm homeless and then i'm staying in the streets um yeah for like a few months this is like the start of 2012 now staying in the streets i'm homeless i'm sleeping in skate parks and stuff like um and then i I do a little math in my head i go if i sell a beat for 50 rand um if i sell like like 10 beats or whatever i have 500 bucks
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i was like okay cool that's what i'm gonna do
0: <laughs> let's just do a small math problem in my head with my 97 degree aggregate that i got
1: <laughs> oh so, oh <laughs> Yeah, I was like, let me just do that You're real quick. Yeah, let me just, like, go on, like, 50 times 10. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, So so I did that, and then I was able to, like, start, like, sleeping on people's couches in exchange for beats. Who are you selling beats to? Anyone.
0: Okay. Like,
1: anyone. Everyone wants to be a rapper. So, like, <laughs> yeah. everyone wants to be a an rapper and a singer. So I was just selling to everyone. And then... um. Uh, I'm finally like and then I, I was finally like making enough money I think like I got to a point where I was selling them for like 500 grand a beat or something so I'd make 5 grand if I sold 10 beats and stuff so I started doing it like that and then I got my own place Um, and then I I go online when like on like on Facebook I think um there's a band I like called Jack's Panic this is 2012 yes. yeah this is 2012 a band I like called Jack's Panic um i send them an email i'm like yo yeah i'd, I'd like to like make remixes of produce like i literally sent them the same email i was sending every other artist you know that i like That just like you know when you copy paste something mm-hmm. that's what i did um then but they were the only ones that actually got back to me so um this the guy at the end of the email is like yo um we're playing this game called matric rage you must come through right they'll get they'll get me tickets i'm like okay cool um so i I, I go there and that person is john right so Mm -hmm. me john and i meet um but john doesn't want to manage people no more whatever so i start sending john beats like in 2012 like i start sending like mad beats like i think i sent him like one or two beats like a day for like a year john is
0: your now manager Yes. yes okay yes
1: so I send him all these beats and then he gets to a point where he's like, okay, he, he's like, he, he says something. He was like, um, something along the lines of like, Oh fuck. Okay. You know, like, like fuck <laughs> you're doing, <laughs> <Like>, you know? <laughs> so then finally he's like, okay, cool. I'll do this management thing. Um, then we start like going around ideas at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm still in like my producer head. So I'm sending him what I think he wants to hear. You know, instead of sending him what I want to do, right? Mm. So I'm sending him all this stuff. And then um I finally send I send him a remix of a an LMFAO song. And then he replies, he's like, Yo, is this is this like the sound you want to do? Cause that was the first one where I'd actually like mixed um my home and where I'm from with electronic like instrumentals and whatnot. Then he's like, Is this what you want to do? I'm like, Yeah. And then that's how Muzi is born. Right. At mm-hmm. this time, I'm making beats on my friend's laptop. So I'm saving all my beats on like DVDs. Um, I make a beat. I put it on a DVD or like a CD that's like rewritable. I put it on there. Um And then, yeah, that's how... So I don't have a laptop. So the first thing John does for me is he gives me a logo and a laptop. Like that was like one of the first things we ever did. Smart so man. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. So then from then on, 20, 30, that's 2012, 2013 uh i start djing um um because I, I didn't like the dynamic of working with artists and having to wait for artists artists don't pay producers and i think everyone knows that so like um i didn't like that dynamic anymore so i was like i'm gonna be my own artist so then i start doing that i start djing 2013 i play Rockin' the daisies ah this thing is real you know i start feeling like it's it's something that actually like that can, that can actually happen and um yeah 2015 I get my deal with BMG and then now I' like we have like a bit of money then it was like okay what do I want to do with this money? am I gonna um, buy a Merc am I gonna get a big mansion or am I gonna get like um I don't know like a diamond necklace and then we literally went on like online and it was like best place in the world for electronic music and so it was me, John and John's sisters. And then they tell us They're like Yo, apparently Berlin is really cool So we're like Okay, cool We're going to Berlin And then Yeah, I leave off I leave Because anyway It was easy Because I felt like I was very misunderstood here mm-hmm. In SA I felt like SA is very much Like hype-driven um, If 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 people say This is the genre we like Everyone likes that genre And I've never seen genres So I never understand That concept Even though I understand it From a marketing point of view Um But yeah, I didn't like that whole thing that only like a few genres get to get on radio and TV and stuff. So I left.
0: So before we continue with the episode, we would just like to tell you about something that is very close to our hearts over at Tech Talks. And that's the people of South Africa. During these unprecedented times, those who are the most vulnerable have had to shoulder an almost impossible burden. The daily struggle to find food. The never-ending lockdowns have made an existing situation worse, with those in need struggling to find a solid meal. Enter SA Harvest. SA Harvest has a mission to help feed the estimated 18 million women, men, and children who go to bed hungry each day in a country where an estimated 10 million tons, or 28 billion, Yes, that's billion with a B. Meals of fresh food go to waste each year. And owing to the pandemic, up to 30% of SA households are now deemed food insecure. By partnering with local and national businesses, SA Harvest is using innovative techniques to fulfill this mission. And if you are in a position to donate or volunteer or partner with them, please head on over to saharvest.org and hit that donate button in the top right-hand corner. You can EFT, Snapscan, credit card. And for our U.S. listeners, you can get a tax-advantaged donation via CAF America. I know we're all experiencing tough times, but if you can help in any way, go to saharvest.org and hit donate. And now back to the episode. I think that you're very lucky in the way that you approach music and you think about music in a genreless way, because it really pigeonholes a lot of artists that they think that they can only make a certain type of music and they can, you know, there are limits to their creativity. But also, I mean... I asked you for a timeline and you really did give me a timeline. You gave me like year <laughs> by year what happened, how you ended up in Berlin. Okay, but so now you're in Berlin for the first time. Yeah. And you've you've checked your luggage and things and you're sitting on your bed. Yeah. What's going through your mind at this point? What's the game plan?
1: Um, the game plan is to learn, right? Like the game plan for me has always been to learn, right? Like to go meet other artists and learn from them. Mm. Cause I felt like that's what happened when I was a kid. I was my my siblings and parents weren't just playing music, but I was learning the music as well. So that's always how like I viewed it. You know, so so um I was there to like actually see the synthesizers and not just like have them as a little program on my on my computer. Mm. So when we got to Berlin it was just to learn, man. Like I wanna learn um John, teach me about master rights. John, teach me about um this, about that. Yo, let's go meet these other producers. Let's go see these synthesizers. Let's go see how people perform. Let's go see how different cultures react to different types of dance music. Why do they like techno? You know, all these things. Like I was just like, just learning um so that I could be not only a better artist, but a better human being. So mm. if there is a game plan in my career, it's just purely that. I just love learning. I'm a nerd when it comes to, like, music and sounds and art and stuff. Ah, oh, boy! Time to save the world again! So, even when we were in Berlin, it was just that, you know. We had enough, like, money to survive, so I wasn't thinking about money. I was thinking about art.
0: Oh, that know? makes it easier. Yeah. But you, Moosey, are the sponge and... Berlin at the time was the water and you were just dunked into it and you were just yeah. learning everything and sort of like absorbing everything that yeah. was happening at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's all I was doing like even even from like um like just like you know, you meeting other people cuz Berlin is a very like creative creative like sort of place. Like it's mm. like um people it, it's it's actually kind of like a broke place like it's for people that are kind of broke like artists that just want to do it for the art's sake you know not really for like money or whatever even though you can't get successful but like you get to have really interesting conversations when people just talk about art you know so it was it was amazing for me a bit too cold for my african ass but <clears throat> yeah amazing nonetheless
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like whenever a South African musician crosses over into international waters, whether it's to relocate or to tour or whatever, in a way, that artist is rapping South Africa. So yeah. being over there in Berlin, did you ever feel any kind of pressure from yourself to yeah. rep where you were from?
1: Um, I, I felt more like if there is a pressure to rep where I'm from, it's just like a pressure to like rep myself. Because I am from South Africa, I am Zulu, I am a skateboarder in the township. Mm. You know, I am all of that. Like I am, like, like so. So it was never like more um, rapping that like well, I'm here, like like South Africa on my back or whatever. But just by mere fact of, of 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 being myself, that's how I rap my country. You know, if I go there and I'm and I'm my true self, that is enough for me. You know, for me to be able that because I am from South Africa. If someone mm-hmm. asks me, yo, your accent is different, like where are you from, like you keep on adding these other words, like that, that we don't know. It's like, oh yeah, that's Zulu. Oh yeah, like Zulu Zulu, like Shaga Zulu. Yes, like Shaga Zulu. You know, and then that builds like a conversation and mm-hmm. stuff. So I felt more there is definitely like a responsibility, um, and I which I understand. But my thing is that if I rep myself, then I rep other like-minded, because I know there's other South Africans that are like-minded, you know, I might not be able to rep the entire like country, but I'll be able to rep my kind, you know, like, like people that think like me, people that like, um, approach art the same way or whatever. And that for me is enough.
0: So Berlin, I mean, it's such a melting pot of cultures and vocations, and it sounds to me like it was the perfect place for you at the perfect time.
1: Yeah. How do
0: you then decide when the right time is to come home?
1: Oh, um, I buy a return flight, and then <laughs> on my way on my way home, I pass by Kenya, right? And then when I when I, when I pass by Kenya, um, I see. From like seeing like I guess like I'm in a European country, so I'm seeing like, um, like white people on billboards and all that stuff, and I'm like, um, John and I, I are counting how many black people we see a day and all that stuff. Like it was like it was it, it got a bit sad, but then when I went down to Kenya, I'm seeing like, like black people on billboards and all that stuff. I'm like, oh shit, this is so cool. So I make Zenzile the song, mm-hmm. then you know, um, and then I. I get back home because I was coming here to see my family. It's like to visit my mom. Get back home. My mom starts like replaying me some of the stuff that she used to play me as a kid. I'm seeing my old friends. So like I don't know. Just like John and I have this had this conversation, and then I was like, Man, I ain't coming back, bro. Like it's too cold there. So I I literally left all my shit, like in Berlin. Like everything. We left, like, just left it there. My studio, everything. I was just like, man um it's been good but i need to come back i need to come back and do music for people that i can see like here these Mm. are the people i need to do make music for it's cool to be in europe and stuff but i felt like so detached from home that like me not seeing the people i was trying to inspire just like really fucked with me Mm. um so the last six months of my two years there was like pretty hard and then when when i when i got back home i was just like man nah, I'm going to stay. You know, I want to be close to moms. And mm. um, yeah, so yeah, that's how that happened.
0: And Very impulsive. And then your first release after you got back was Afrovision. Am I right?
1: Yeah, so I released Zenzile and then yes. Afrovision. Yeah.
0: Because I feel like Afrovision is such a great representation of who you were well, who you are as an artist, but where you were in that specific space in, yeah. I think it was 20, 2018, if I'm correct. But I feel like yeah. you took all of your experiences and influences that you heard, you know, when you were to tour in the States and when you were in Berlin and yeah. in the UK and you blended them with everything that you grew up with, uh, everything that you grew up around that you told me about earlier and everything that makes you indistinguishable south african would you would you say that that's a fair assessment of the of the sound of the story behind the album
1: yeah yeah i think it is um i think it is um, a very um like honest way of looking at it because that's what i i had become you know like all my i've become like all my influences and i've heard them so many times that it's got to a point where I'm able to make my own thing out of that. Mm. You know? So that's what happened with like Afrovision. It's literally that's what it meant. It was like a vision I was having of like Son the South African Sonic. Cause I was, I guess, privileged enough to be able to travel the world and lucky enough to be able to travel the world and making all these dots. Cause remember, I'm still learning, right? So when mm. I'm hearing Chicago House, I'm hearing south african deep house i'm like and i'm hearing kwaito in there yeah i'm like oh so this is where this comes from this is where this comes from um when i'm when i'm in kenya and i'm hearing traditional drum beats there i'm hearing like zulu vibes in there i'm like oh Mm. so i'm connecting that dot you know so like i'm doing all these things as i'm traveling so it just got to a point where as as the music sort of started reflecting that as well you know, like the four to four thing with me about being like into techno and and figuring out about like Detroit House and techno and about like Derek May and all these guys that like were doing it in the 80s and stuff. I'm like,
0: whoa, this
1: is so interesting. So, yeah, it was just mixing all that up.
0: You know, there's this really interesting wave of South Africans who are changing the game globally and and repping SA in the process. There's, I mean, there's BCUC. San mm. Sanal, Tulo, Ami, and obviously you as well. Um, and I feel like what differentiates all of those people that I just mentioned, including you, is that they're taking their own signature. They're making their own signature sound. Like they're blending it with other sounds and they're modernizing South African music. So, I yeah. mean, I think it's very interesting because you're known in c- certain musical circles as the Zulu Skywalker. I love that nickname. Yeah, but- I love it too. But I think, I mean, uh, the, at its core, it like, it reiterates this idea of modernizing our stories. Yes. And, and, I, and I get, I mean, from talking to you today for the first time ever, which is actually, it's, it's, it, it's, I, actually wild. I, it's so, it's so wild because we've known each other for so long and we've been communicating yeah. forever. I can't believe this is the first time we're doing this, but anyway, sidetrack. Um, <laughs> but now that I'm talking to you, I, I get the very strong impression that this is what you want to do with your music you want, yeah. you want to modernize these, these stories and these sounds that, yeah. that have, that you've grown up with.
1: Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's to, it's to bring it to the now, right? Mm. Right here, right now. And without making it this, like, um, this sort of idea of like Afrofuturism, like the only reason I don't kind of like that is because it says that like Africa is dope in the future. Mm. But we're actually doing this now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So exactly. it's like it
0: doesn't make any sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense. Maybe for like a, a Western audience, it does that, like oh yeah, Africa is going to be dope in the next ten years. But we're live, we, we like we live here, so it's like for us, it's now. I know dope artists now.
0: Exactly. You know? that the eyes of the world are in Africa now.
1: Yeah, it's now, right? So like for me, like it just became very clear that the the keys to like like our present. Were, 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 were in the past because these guys that did things in the past, like never really got the same opportunities as us to travel as, 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 as much or to be on the internet or to have um, some level of influence over like uh, a multitude of people. So like being able to do that for me, was like, yo, we need to tell these stories, even mm. when you tell them in our own way so that someone can stand on my shoulders you know, like, cause there's there's so many things that happen with like African art and music where there's like these gaps, right? And we're never able, we're never able to like join them. We're never able to like form a bridge. So I see myself as a bridge, right? But a bridge is there for people to like move from one place to the next. And if I'm that person and if Espacio Dios is that person and we all come together and become that bridge then the next generation can w- actually walk on that bridge to something better, you know? I,
0: I hope that somebody writes a thesis about you one day and they use that quote <laughs> in their mission statement because that was some deep shit, okay? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I'm going to remember that forever. But tell me about that nickname, the Zulu Skywalker. Where did you get it?
1: Um, uh, it, was, it was a play on zulu like the actual name meaning like Zulu means like the people it also means the language it also means the sky right so it's like people of the sky zulu people like abanbe zulu right
0: okay and it
1: also means lightning so it's just a play on that and then obviously with my sort of obsession with like stars and the galaxies and stuff like that and the universe it's sort of like also A play on Luke Skywalker. Mm
0: -hmm. There's something alive in here.
1: Right? So even that name, when I'm named that track, Zulu Skywalker, it was like, oh yeah, like you're Zulu and that's the thing that grounds you, like your tradition, your culture. But then you have all these influences and that's where the space comes in. You know, that's where the spaceships and all that stuff. So connecting the space with the grounding of your culture to create something new. And then, so I just named the track that and people just, like, started calling me Zulu Skywalker. And I was like, yeah, oh, I actually like that. Didn't really think of that, but um, yeah.
0: That's so dope. But back to talking about your music. So towards the end of last year, you released Mama, which was a six-track EP yeah. that you dedicated as a homage yeah. to your mother. and. There's one song specifically called "Mama Dance," which is my favorite, and it talks about your mother's love for dancing. I love it so much. And then, and then I found out that um, your your parents actually like met one day when they were out, like living their yeah. best lives dancing. <laughs> yeah, I love like that story. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, that that's so rad. But 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 within within an an EP dedicated to mm-hmm. your mother, and and then your third album dedicated to your daughter i have to ask about the role that your family plays in your life and how that translates to your music because i know that that's a huge part of who you are yeah
1: yeah it is like um um all all eps that i've made have been my mom's stories so if you look at steven that was like the stories that my mom was sharing about her parents um about like Mm. um Um, her father having to leave, them having to relocate, um, grandma staying alone, alone with, 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 um, my mom's siblings at home, her having to go work at like, um, like be like a maid and stuff. So like that, so my EPs have always been about my, my mother. Right. Um, so when she passed, um, it felt right to make an EP about her right at the time and Mm -hmm. for also for me like i like making art that's like honest and it's very like it represents me in the actual time that i'm in right so um i like going through my pain i don't like avoiding it at all so that's what i did there it was just like um yeah i need to write this and have this sort of like love letter for you that sort of goes through my different stages of grief and stuff so that's what i did there and same thing with like Zeno, Xeno the album like it's it's very much like, I don't know, like um, making something for my daughter for her to listen to it and to understand that like, yo, my dad um has has gone through like maybe maybe when she's older she' she can be like my dad has gone through some things as well. I cannot lie, I don't feel like me today. So it's like it's okay for you me be to be okay. here. You know, I, that's how I saw it when I, when I, um, when I was making that album, you know, like just very much like, um, I raised my kid, like, like my friend, I treat her like, I treat her that way. I don't treat her like a child. Like mm-hmm. I treat her like, like a very smart human being. So with that said, as a parent, I also need to be very honest. You know, I don't want to be like a, strong dad yo daddy's coming give him two pieces of chicken type vibe or whatever like you know, <laughs> you know i don't want to be that guy so um um my one of my the ways that I'm, i love her is by being honest so obviously because she's young some of the things she can't really understand but like if i have something on wax then it can always be there for her to listen to um and and for her to hear that this is an album dedicated to me and this, was, this is what my dad was talking about. So if I'm going through anything in my life, I can always like maybe be comforted by the fact that my dad went through it as well.
0: Damn it, I wish my father had <laughs> written me an album. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All he left me was like a book, then he signed <laughs> like, Do tecla, <laughs> like, use it well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> god uh, but now looking forward to yeah. your new music your your first single into yep. has also got me hey. buzzing and i i think it's honestly some of your finest Thank work you. to date and and it opens with the voice of this lady making a call presumably to the police <laughs> and, and the police ask her like yeah. what's the problem and she's like there seems to be a lot of black people yeah. on board and I laughed so hard. It's like proper Karen yeah, yeah. vibes going on there. It's too funny. But, but talk, to me about, talk to me about the yeah. music video because it's basically like you wearing some very swaggy clothes dancing through various yeah. landscapes. But am I right in saying that clout killed yeah. the cool kids? who conceptualized this video that's your creative endeavor with uh, yes so
1: so um cloud kill the kids is like um it was just like what we saw man like it was like um thank you it was just like very much like um yo who still talks about music right besides like journalists and doing interviews like do artists actually still care right like what are they like teaching people so we wanted to sort of like go Mm. more towards an art-based way of like thinking like the the sort of purest way you know that like yo if you do the right things if you treat people the right way if you try your best if you push yourself and all that stuff like things start actually adding up for you you don't have to be friends with people you don't like you don't have to do things you don't want to do to impress strangers or whatever you can always be yourself and that should be enough right so
0: very important lesson, especially yeah, for man, the cause like,
1: cause, cause, Yeah, man, because they like, because, yeah, because artists are just like, artists Artists like saying that they don't, they're not responsible for people, but they're lying because they are. You're, like, <laughs> we listen to music more than we listen to our parents. Like, so whatever you're saying in a song goes somewhere, whether or not you're aware of it. So it, for me, I see that as an actual responsibility that, that I'm aware of, and so is Espacio. So we created that um, to just yeah do that shoot our own videos make our own narrative and do our own thing um the song the start of that song is very much karen vibes it's very much like because because <laughs> it goes um 035 um, dispatch um uh, what's your mm. problem and then the person goes so 035 is me paying homage to because that's the area code that's the dial code um and then, And then it goes um, There seems to be a lot of black people On Mars, right?
0: On Mars Because I couldn't really hear What oh, that last so it's, word it's, was
1: On so, so, Mars so, Yeah, so it's like On Mars, right? <laughs> and the idea behind that Is that Even if black people Were to leave And go to Mars Like We still have people complain. <laughs> About our blackness, right? So I thought it was just like funny and stuff. Um, And then, yeah, so I did that. And the whole song is just about like believing in yourself um, and just being yourself like regardless, you know?
0: How different is it being in the driver's seat of executing your own music video as opposed to working with somebody else?
1: Um, I think before, when I was, like, co-directing and stuff, I'd also be scared to say things because I was like, yo, I paid Mm -hmm. you so much money, so obviously you know more than me. And as much as that was true, like, they couldn't know my vision of it. So now it's very different because, like, we literally create these things like frame by frame, like from scratch. We're like, no, this is how we want it. Like, no, we will like intentionally do something that looks this way because that's how we want it, you know, without being scared or without being told that, oh, yeah, there's a technical thing here. Oh, yeah, you can't shoot like that. Oh, yeah, you can't, you know, this is not allowed in filming industry or whatever, and you're like, all right, man, fuck that. Like we're just gonna do what we want, you know? <laughs> so so it was literally, yeah, just like one day, um, we had budget to shoot a video and we were like, man, let's just buy our own equipment and do this shit. Like, and because um Espacio and I are very similar in that like we don't mind failing publicly. You know, like my my shit doesn't have to be perfect. Like I don't care because for me it's just like about expression. Mind so if visuals are the way that I'm trying to express myself as well as, as my music, then that's what it's going to be. Should you like it? Cool. Should you not like it? Cool.
0: I don't think that you've quote unquote failed publicly, <laughs> but I think that that mindset probably comes from your thick skin yeah. as a kid, you know, and people telling you things and you're like, yeah. whatever, you know, I am who I am. This is how I'm going to roll. Like get on board or just Yeah, man, board. it was it was it
1: used to hurt me as a kid, you know? Because I was like like no one wants to be called like weird or awkward or whatever. You just want to be like yourself. And then I go back home and my mom sees me as this like perfect person. But I go outside into the world and all they have to do is like all they're doing is calling me names and all that stuff. Like, you know, so it got to a point when it was like, you know what, man, like yeah, whatever, bro. Like <laughs> Like, cool, Doug, like, I, I still don't <laughs> like soccer, you know? Like, I still, like, whatever you say to me, like, I'm still not going to do what you're saying because I'm following my heart, you know? So, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's that.
0: You know, if I could go back and tell my younger self, like, high school, anything, I would probably tell her to embrace her yeah. weirdness, to embrace the things that i thought made me strange because fast forward 15 years and those are the things that have given me my very great career and those are the things that distinguish me from everybody else so like lean into Mm. your weirdness lean into your quirks and maybe a decade down the line that is what's going to set you apart and Plus, like it's also yeah. like
1: it's primary school or high school, it ends, man. Like, you know, like it exactly. ends, and um, you get to go out and live your life. Like, like to to make people that have like talked shit about you when you were a kid to continue to have them live in your head long after that like, they've moved out of your life, for me, is a waste of my life. I ain't gonna give you that a time. Mm. So, like, yeah, by the time I reached like high school and stuff, I was already just like, yo, man. Oh, is that what you think? Cool, (laughs) cool, bro. (laughs) Cool story,
0: yeah. Cool story, story, man. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, But I also spotted a very cool Jägermeister gold chain in your music video, and I know it's so dope. And I know that the brand has been a very huge part of your journey from the beginning. Tell me what the support of Beer, Turan and the team at Jägermeister South Africa has meant to you. Man, it's
1: been, it's been great because like, um, just, just like to meet people that allow your weirdness to shine, you know, is great Mm -hmm. because you start realizing that like, it's actually not weird. It's just different. You know, to call it weird is a bit dismissive of its brilliance, you know? So like when people like beer come into play and stuff, like, it was really cool for her to support my show. So I was like, yo, I want to do shows, but make them free. <laughs> make sure everyone can get there, you know? Like, so it's been it's been amazing to have people, like, support us that way, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, she's also been a huge supporter of yeah. Techs in the City and of me personally and things that I've done. And she really is such a great trend yeah, spotter. Yeah. Um, in terms of like looking at something and going, okay, cool, that'll work. But then she's also so open to collaborating with you on yeah. your ideas. And, you know, she she's not like other brands, no names mentioned, that will like force a brand vision on you and force yeah, you yeah, to yeah. do something. So I feel like the brands that you work with, especially like Vans and and Nando's, I, I feel like you you're very lucky in the fact that, they kind of, to me, from an outside perspective, it looks like they just let That's, you do your thing yeah. um, because because of the synergy between yeah, it's, the two it's, of you.
1: It's, the, um, it's attraction versus promotion, right? So if you continue to like promote yourself, and I've learned this through trial and error, but like the constant like wanting to promote yourself and knocking on doors and all that stuff, as much as that has a thrill, like the real thing that worked for me is I worked on myself so much that I started being attractive, Right. And then when Mm. brands come to you or when people come to you in general, like when they come to you, the leverage is completely different than when you go to them, you know? So, so it's like, it's like, I just work on myself. Right. Like, and, and over time, like these people like started believing in me and seeing the vision and then they just let me be. You know, at first it all looks fucking crazy, you know, and it's like, yo, (laughs) yo, why don't you just do what everyone else is doing, whatever. But like, as you start to understand the vision I have, you realize that it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Espacio and John. It's it's an idea that we're sparking, that hopefully gets to go into other African kids' heads, that they can be whatever they want to be. And I'm not just talking lawyer, doctor, like, you know, just creatively that you don't have to box yourself in you know like um so when you start finding people and brands or whatever that see that it's like oh man i'm actually doing something right in my life you know
0: you know that it, if this music thing doesn't work out you could become a life coach oh right? shit that shit life coaches don't fucking work <laughs> like, <I'm> like <laughs> fuck life coaches <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, you could become one of those like inspirational shamans because everything you say, I'm just like, yeah! <laughs> oh my god, you're telling me on like everything.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, but thank you. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, like, I think that's another thing that um I've been lucky to have, like with my upbringing. Like my, I've, I've realized that even with my mom's teachings or John's teachings or anyone of my friends is that when you become a better person, you become a better artist like you know so like mm. as long as you work at that like everything else sort of also starts flowing so I really like work on myself I read um I do all that stuff like it helps me become a better father a better friend and everything like and then when the time for the music to flow it just flows through because my pillars are like fine so hence I probably might sound like a life coach or whatever it's still a t- trial and error and I have a lot of like things to learn but at least I'm trying to fix it. Like, I don't have excuses.
0: Well, talking about music that flows, your current single, I Need That featuring The Temple is a proper dance floor hey. banger. Talk to me about the conceptualization of that um, song.
1: Again, a mixture of things. Like, let's just, like, see what happens when we mix this with that. Like, so um, I always use my music my from previous albums as inspiration. So um New Day leads into good vibes only, leads into that. Mm-hmm. Like so my songs connect, right? So, so um um I need that as purely a song about just like yeah, wanting to like have a good life, wanting good vibes, <laughs> you know? Um, but in forms of dance music. So just like let mm-hmm. me dance. You know, like when you're going out and you just wanna like just rage and just dance you
0: know sure it's been a long time but but yeah yeah. (laughs) that
1: that feeling you know is just
0: (laughs) gonna make me cry (laughs) yeah yeah, just like
1: seeking that feeling of just like um yeah just letting go through dance music
0: hopefully we can do that soon hopefully but Muzi, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me today on Text Talks. This this has been a long time coming. Yep, it and has. I, I, I'm so very excited for your fourth album to drop as well, thank and you. to to con- continue to see you achieve new career feats because your your energy and your ideals are are very infectious. And I wish you nothing but the best, my friend.
1: Thank you. I wish you nothing but the best as well. Cool. cool. Told you I'm a boss, you've ignored that. How's that for a throwback? Tell me what you really want to do. Picture perfect, I enjoy the beauty. Red lips, kinky hair, black skin, free as hell. Love it or move over. Love it move over. teach me how to skywalk I was like nah I'm fun. mama left me with some extra sauce integrity intact black skin free man love it oh move over You ignored that Tell me what you really wanna do Picture perfect, I enjoy the view Red lips, kinky hair, black skin Free as hell, love it oh move over
0: Muzi for joining us in studio thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify CastBox or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms also a huge shout out to Tom's the only music store for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself Text, our producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Luritz and our research assistant Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side